Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lisa H., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. Today is Wednesday, October the 12th, 2022, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today we're reading from the big book, and we're in the chapter more about alcoholism. We'll be reading from page 34, the second paragraph that begins for those who are unable to drink moderately and ending in no matter how great the necessity or the wish. Comments will be on that that one paragraph. Today's readers, and thank you for your service this morning, for the 12 steps, Nancy C., 12 traditions, Terry J., readers of the text are Christine C.G. and Dara L., our newcomer greeter is Kathy M., and our second hour host is Janice P.M. The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, October the 11th, 2022, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, it's 19,501, that's 19501, and for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, it's 19,502, that's 19502. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Nancy C. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Vision for You family. Nancy C., gratefully recovered in Ann Arbor, Michigan this morning. Twelve Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, 
having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Nancy C. And I'll now ask Terry J. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Terry J. in Michigan. Uh, obsessive, compulsive, overeater. However, thank God there is a solution. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only, response, the only requirement, rather, for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be auto- <clears throat> Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose: to carry the to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six. An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional. But our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for the opportunity. Have a great day. Thank you, Terry J. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted.
Today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 34. We'll be reading and commenting on the second paragraph that begins for those who are unable and ends no matter how great the necessity or the wish. I will now ask Christine C.G. to begin reading. Good morning. This is Christine C.G. from Illinois. For those who are unable to drink moderately, the question is how to stop altogether. We are assuming, of course, that the reader desires to stop. Whether such a person can quit upon a non-spiritual basis depends upon the extent to which he has already lost the power to choose whether he will drink or not. Many of us felt we had plenty of character. There was a tremendous urge to cease forever, yet we found it impossible. This is the baffling feature of alcoholism as we know it, this utter inability to leave it alone, no matter how, no matter how great the necessity or the wish path. Do you care to comment on that, Christine C.G.? Um, sure, I'll comment on that. Um, I'm Christine C.G. Uh, from the greater Chicago area. This utter inability to leave it alone, no matter how great the necessity or the wish, I can truly relate to that, truly. Just that total um, compulsivity, the, the out of control. I, I don't have power to, to stop it. And the frustration and exasperation I suffered from that. And the health issues. And uh, oh, I just thank God for the 12 steps in the program and I don't have to live it was like I being, was being led around like a bull by with a, something in their nose, being led around. And I'm not led around like that now anymore. I have much more freedom and sunlight of the spirit by just not picking up foods I can't handle and doing my best to work the steps. So I'm really grateful for that. Truly grateful. That's all I got. Thank you. Thank you, Christine C.G., and although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So who would like to comment on what was read this morning? Katie this is Jay Jay from Boston. Oh, I am Katie. Barbara. And every Janice. CM. Oh, Janice. Loretta Dara Reva, P. There was somebody Nancy before R. Dara. Illinois. Loretta A. Nancy R. Okay, hang on. Let's stop right there. Okay, let me tell you who I have, and I think I missed one person. I have Katie G, Barbara E, Janice PM, Reva P, and there was somebody there, Dara L, Nancy R, and Loretta H. There's somebody I missed. Loretta H. I've got you, Loretta, at the end. Uh-huh. Thank you. Well, maybe I just misheard. We'll go with that. Katie G, you're up, followed by Barbara E. Sorry, did something. Lisa, did you need? uh, You're good. Anyway. No, go ahead. Okay. (laughs) Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Katie G. I'm recovered from compulsive eating and exercise bulimia. Um, You know, I, the first line that really um, strikes me is that um, that we are assuming, of course, that I want to stop. And I have to tell you, I, I didn't want to stop. Um, last year, I remember 
telling my stepmom, like, I just need this. I just need to be underweight right now. I need this. I don't know why. And um, I just wanted the consequences to go away. I didn't really want to stop. And the only thing that made me want to stop was repeated pain and humiliation. Like, I wish I could tell you that I just decided that I have this beautiful family and this amazing house. And then I was like, yeah, I'm going to get better. But it's not. Like, like it says, uh, many of us feel we have plenty of character. Yeah, look at me. I'm a wife. I'm a mom clinging to these roles. Like, and yep, look at me. I'm exercising. And I didn't understand what the problem was. I didn't understand, um, you know, how to stop, even if I wanted to. So then, okay, so then I decide to stop, right? And I hear this voice in my head being like, okay, I'm going to choose to do this. You know, I don't know about you guys, but compulsive eating, anorexia, and bulimia are not my drug of choice. They are my drug of no choice. So when I engage in bulimia, what happens to me is the same as the other speaker said. I get carried around by my throat. And and exercise bulimia tells me where to go and what to do and how long to do it for. And I am a slave to it until it is done with me. It has chewed me up and spit me out. And I tell you, there were many people saying frothy emotional appeal, and God loved them. And they said that I was dying and one angel somehow got this message from God to tell me I was dead. And I have to tell you, I, I heard a friend say to me this morning, like, um, the only thing to do to recover is to give up. And, and I, can't, I can't hear that enough. You know, like, I remember thinking I can fight this disease. I can do this. And until I got to that sponsor, and I, I, like, I literally didn't know how to get from breakfast to 8 a.m., from 8 a.m. to 8.05, from 8.05 to 8.10. And what you all have taught me is not, this is not just about a relationship with God, but how I get to that relationship with God, which is I'm naturally undisciplined. And this book and these 12 steps show me how to live my life from the time I wake up and have a conscious breath to the time I go to bed. Thanks be to God for these 12 steps, and I don't have to die today. Thanks be to God. There is a solution for all of us. Um, And just give up. With that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. And Barbara E., you're up, followed by Janice P.M. Good morning, everyone. Happy October again, and thank you, Lisa, for your service. Well, you know how a doorbell can get broken so that it doesn't ring when someone is at your door? Well, my mental doorbell was broken. I didn't hear the doorbell ring, so it took me a long time to accept I really needed a new way of living. I was never full. There was always room for more and more, so I ate and I ate and I ate and I hate. I heard it said, one drink and then sink. Well, that's how I felt about food. After countless vain attempts, I felt doomed. And I definitely was in denial because I really did think I could fix this eating issue on my own. I didn't really want to give up the food. I just wanted to give up the consequences. I'd learned enough. I'd been around the block. I knew about tradition. I certainly could do it. This time would be different. And I was defiant, too. This book had so many musts. 
There had to be an easier, softer way. I just don't need no didn't need no to know how to access it. I wondered, is this spiritual solution that the book talks about really necessary? I was obese again after so many vain attempts. I was unhappy, feeling useless, isolated from the world in a crowded room. Sure, you were judging me as harshly as I judged myself. I was desperate. Maybe just this theory about a spiritual awakening or experience had some value. I needed to try it because I knew I was killing myself with a knife, a fork, and a spoon. Moderation was not going to fix my broken doorbell, my broken mind. Switching from regular candy or gum to sugar-free, always needing to have something in my mouth to chew on. Pure insanity. My disease was in me, but I felt the stirring of hope. Today, this agnostic believes that God isn't a religion. It's a relationship. And it's not how many times I, no we, get knocked down, but how many times we get back up to fight another day, to show that this disease doesn't have to kill me, no us. If we take our medicine 100% of it and choose life 100%, I can't take 90% of the antibiotic the doctor prescribes. I won't get better. 100% is the only thing that will save this untreated addict every single morning. And sometimes in the morning I just say, please. And in the evening I just say, Thanks. Thanks, God. Oh, thank you, Barbara E. And Janice PM, you're up, followed by Reva P. Jan did you call me, Janice? There you are. Yes, Janice. Uh huh. Go ahead. Okay, thank you so much, Lisa, for taking this meeting. Um, thank you much, and good morning to everyone. My name is Janice P.M., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. The whole paragraph is put for those, and that's me. This is me. This was me. Not today, but this was me. I was unable to eat moderately. I thought I could, and you know what? Sometimes I did especially when I had, you know, but it's only temporary. I could stop thousands of times, but I always started again, even though I had the thought I had the power, I was unable on my own willpower to stop, to stop altogether. Now, what does that mean for me? Oh, yeah, I could stop, but not forever. Don't tell me forever, just until the next wedding, just until I got the boyfriend, just until Christmas, and just until, until, until. It was never, no way, forever. Um, it was always temporarily. Um, and then it says the desire to stop, like I said. Yeah, I could stop, but not entirely. That's the big thing for me. And, of course, I found as this my disease uh, got progressively worse 
that I did not have the power to choose because even when I had that strong desire, you know, I just couldn't do it. Even though the doctor said to me, Janice, you know, you're on the borderline of diabetes. I said, oh, well, give me, you know, give me a food plan. And yeah, I would do it for probably about a week if I was lucky. Um, and then I used to compare myself with people in this program. Oh, they have diabetes. That's why they don't have this, this, and this. And, of course, this, this, and this was up to me. And I was so confused. I was so, you know, because this disease is so baffling. You know, I had good character, so I thought. I mean, I, I, mean, I had moral strength. You know, I was brought up certain ways that, oh, you don't get pregnant, you know, before you get married. So morally, I really had the willpower there and self-discipline um, for a lot of things. But when it came to that solution that I needed, which was food at the time, I could not handle it. Could not handle it on a non-spiritual basis because I was convinced and convinced. And even when I was convinced, I still did it. <laughs> insane. Insane I was. So, yes, my disease has to be really stopped entirely just for one day because it will progress. And I don't know anybody that has this disease came back into this program and said, guess what, Janice, I got the answer. You know, I'm better than I ever was on a non-spiritual basis. Oh, really? And I've been around a long time. And uh, with that, I will pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Janice P.M. And Reva P., you're up, followed by Dara L. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. And I find it so interesting that I'm so eager to share on this paragraph about losing the ability and the power to choose. Because I came into this program thinking I was doing a six-month course and I was going to learn how to control and manage the food. And then I'd go back out and get on with my life. Um, so many years later, um, I just so relate to this inability to leave it alone, no matter how great the necessity, no matter how big the health issues, no matter how much I wishy, wishy, wish, I wish, I wish, um, praying without action like doesn't do anything for me. Um, and I didn't know, I didn't know the word compulsive overeating. I didn't know there was a way out. I didn't know about 12 step at all. Um, and I'm so grateful that now I know this is my drug of no choice. That for me, my alcoholic foods, ingredients, behaviors, there's no moderation. It's an all or nothing deal. Um, but what strikes me the most is this, can I live on a non-spiritual basis? Can I do 90 and 90? Can I do abstinent only? Um, no, I can't because I do not have control of the mental state that precedes the first bite. It's the mental state this whole chapter is telling me about. The only way that gets, that gets dealt with is with this power um, that I still don't understand how it works. I don't really have to, but it does. I put the food down. I do the steps and this power does for me what I can't do for myself, which is addressing that mental state, that little twist that says just, 
um, or but, um, and I'll just pick up, but can I do anything on a non-spiritual basis? It's not just about the food. You know, I'm grieving the loss of my mom. I can't do that on a non-spiritual basis. I need God. So I need the steps to unblock me to access that power. Um, I'm dealing with change in my routine. I don't like change. I can't do that on a non-spiritual basis. I can't do anything on a non-spiritual basis. Um, and someone reminded me yesterday when I shared my step 10, you know, back to my ideals, how would God have me be? How would God have me think? How would God have me speak? How would God have me behave? Everything way beyond the food um, needs to be on a spiritual basis. And I really thought I was coming in here, getting the food together and getting out. It is so much more than that. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. And Dara L., you're up, followed by Nancy R. Uh, great. Thanks so much for your service. I'm Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive eater. I live in Philadelphia. Um, I want to share a little bit about my demoralizing relationship with desire, both in the disease um, and in recovery. And, um, you know, what is was amazing to me was the fleeting nature of my desire. And I think sometimes, you know, I, I, I believe, this is just my opinion, that sometimes we do each other a disservice by pretending that desire is a permanent state, you know, or that like somehow I'm going to want this enough to like really do it and I'm going to want it with every fiber of my being. And that has just never been my experience. You know, my experience was is that when I had to go to the hospital because I almost lost my colon and I was writhing on the, you know, on the um, hospital bed, like I had, oh my God, so much desire. I, I never, ever, ever wanted to binge or purge or starve again. Like I was willing to do anything. And then a week later when I got discharged, I was like, well, I don't need this. I'm good. Like, you know what I mean? Or when I was, you know, face down over the toilet bowl and I'm like, you know, like killing myself with food. And like I, I wanted with every fiber of my being to be done, you know, and I was willing to go to so many lengths, you know, giving people my credit card, driving up to family, being like, you know, I will do anything. I will do anything. I will do anything. And then I'd get away from the food for like 15 minutes. And I'd be like, I don't really need to do that, you know. And sadly, I still have that in recovery. I think, you know, one of the great lies that my disease tells me is that I don't have this disease. You know, I'm not as sick as you. And sometimes, you know, I, I'll get on the meeting today sometimes or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh, I don't have time for this. Like, there's more. I got more important things to do, you know. <laughs> like, And I think for me, the realization that whether or not I want it, is irrelevant today. You know, if I do the work in entire abstinence and I show up for my relationship with God and for my, with my fellows, you know, I get changed from the inside out. And, you know, for me, the necessity and the wish to leave it alone, whether it be the food or a character defect, like I can't, I can't delude myself into believing that that wish is going to be a permanent state. You know, I have a spiritual malady contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual condition, and I am not always spiritually fit. In fact, I'm almost never spiritually fit, you know, which is why I get to do this work. And I just think that for me, you know, if I had heard like, oh, I got to want it, I got to want it, I got to want it more, that would have kept me in the disease for even more decades than I've already been in the disease because I wanted it for like, 
15 minutes and then I didn't want it anymore. And I believe that addiction is a chronic state of ambivalence. You know, my brain, I ping pong back and forth from wanting to do this stuff to not wanting to do this stuff to feeling entitled to not having to do it to being so grateful. And like today, God makes space for all of that. I just get to show up as I am, do the work and it works. Um, And with that, I'll pass and thanks so much. Thank you, Dara L. And Nancy R., you're up, followed by Loretta H. Hi, this is Nancy R. from Illinois. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Oh, so grateful for this meeting this morning. I um, can definitely relate to every word in this um, paragraph. Uh, I wanted mostly to surrender to... Um, sharing on the meeting this morning so that I can be in the middle of the pack. Um, I felt the last week probably or more that I am skirting on the outsides of the pack. You know, I'm doing my step work. I'm I'm, uh, showing up and abstinent. Thank God. Um, And I just feel myself moving away and I know that's my disease. You know, I know that's my, I know I need to lean in. Um, So like, for instance, I've been listening to the vision meetings, but not sharing and listening to the vision meetings, but not really being present, um, thinking about other things and then coming back and not really. So I just really want to be in because um, this is where I have my freedom you know, um, I can't, um, I can't have my freedom on a non-spiritual basis. I need to be uh, in relationship with my higher power and um, giving my higher power my will. And because this it has a bad baffling feature of compulsive overeating, is I know I have an utter inability to leave it alone no matter how great the necessity or wish and um you know i wake up every morning um uh, not recovered and it's through doing this work and spending time with my higher power and asking for god's will instead of mine be done during the day i stay out of the lethargy and the i don't care Uh, thinking that is my disease. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Nancy R. And Loretta H., please share with us. Hello? Hi. Is that you, Loretta? Can you hear me? Yes, Yes. Mm ma'am. Oh, thank you. Okay. Loretta H., recovered in North Carolina. Thank you all along with my precious God, who is saving my life today. The utter inability to leave it alone, no matter how great the necessity or the wish. I came into the room in 2001. My father was dying. I did not show up because of this disease. And um, it just, it got me. I couldn't stop binging. I'm also anorexic, but the binges got more violent, stronger, and 
I was down for the count. As I share, I wanted to pull the mattress down like Bill did, but I didn't even have the strength to do that. Fast forward to today. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Um, And the 24 hours are one day at a time, but I need that spiritual, spiritual assistance in order to stay not recovered just in neutrality because of my humanness. Um, I'm not better than, I'm not less than, I'm just human. And I make a lot of mistakes. And the place I go to when I make those mistakes is to God because he has given me the privilege today of having the ability to eat. And I don't abuse that privilege or I lose it. And it's been such a wonderful journey in all of this because, yes, I can go through times where things are really, really difficult and I I don't want to eat. In fact, last year I actually wanted to use my other addiction. But I know that if I stay on track, if I do the 10, if I work with others, when I do my 11th at night, I see my character defenses. And in fact, I'm going through one right now that I am abusing the privilege of something else I do. And I have made that part of my abstinence because it's a journey that because I'm powerless and hopeless, that dash in that first sentence of I am powerless over food and my life, it, not and, that my life is unmanageable. And that is really where the work needs to be done. And so with God's grace and mercy, today I do not abuse the privilege of eating, but I don't abuse the privilege of anything else because that will get me into the depths of this again. So um, with God, this program, the work, I am hopeless but not helpless. And so with that, I pass God's grace and mercy for all today. And the greatest joy in living is because of praying. Thank you. Thank you, Loretta H., And we have read and are commenting on the second paragraph on page 34, beginning for those who are unable and ending in no matter how great the necessity or the wish. Who else would like to share this morning? Nancy P. Nancy P. Kelly S. Katie. I'm missing somebody. Katie S. Julie P. Thank you, Julie. Leah S. Linda D. Linda D. Sue Ann W. Sue Ann, we better stop there. Sue Ann W. Okay, I've got Nancy P., Kelly S., Katie F., I think, Julie P., Leah F., Linda D., and Sue Ann W. So, Nancy P., you're up, followed by Kelly S. Hi, good morning, uh, Lisa. Thank you so much for your service. Thank you for letting me share. Nancy P., recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. Uh, This paragraph is the description of powerlessness, but I think it's a description, at least for me, as it it applies to me, it's a description of powerlessness for someone that doesn't know that they're powerless. And as a lifelong compulsive overreader of the hopeless variety, I sort of lived in that space, you know, that I didn't recognize, but I didn't recognize, you know, my powerlessness as an everyday reality. Because, you know, what my life was about 
is you know what what the what this is really about is the description of the mental twist my mind in this space made me think that i could find some silver bullet to make me stop when i used all the tools to the point of exhaustion you know 90 meetings in 90 days you know hearing people talk about abstinence so abstinence is the answer used outside tools like therapy and hobbies and you know other other things that people say that they use you know i couldn't answer the question how to stop altogether that's the question. And none of those methods answered it. You know, Bill speaks of the four terrible horsemen of terror, bewilderment, frustration, and despair. And, you know, that's true. But, you know, for the purposes of how to stop altogether, my terrible four, four terrible horsemen, NCP's four terrible horsemen, are fake it till you make it, act as if, borrow mine, and use the group. Because those didn't work either. So I was in this awful place. Like, I didn't know how to do it. Nobody else, anybody that gave me advice, gave me that advice, you know, do you know fake it till you make it and all that the real actual truth was that i didn't want to stop and when the question came up of course i said i did but what i really i knew that was a lie but what i really wanted to do was eat and be thin i wanted to eat whatever i wanted and get all the benefits of living in the steps and being serene and happy joyous and free and all that and none of the changing and it wasn't even a secret to me i knew it i knew that i was lying i knew it i just always hoped and hoped and hoped and hoped and hoped that wishing it would make it true and I never considered a spiritual solution because I thought that a spiritual solution had to be a religious solution. And I couldn't swallow that then or now. So this mind of mine was trapped in this horrible place, you know, of awfulness. And finally, when I was faced with a catastrophe that I could neither avoid nor control, which was when my, my girl started self-harming, you know, I ran into a brick wall head first. And I would have shouldered her pain for her in a heartbeat. I would have slain the dragons. I would have done anything to make her better. But she was just like me. If you take out burning and cutting and you put in food and compulsive overeating, there she is. And I finally was stopped in my tracks. And I got my relationship with this thing that takes care of me always, always under all circumstances without exception. And I never have to worry ever. And how did I get there? What's the word? Say it with me. Surrender, surrender, surrender. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy P. And Kelly S., you're up, followed by Katie F. Good morning, guys. It's Kelly S., Recovered Compulsive Eater in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, grateful to get to share on this paragraph. There's been some amazing shares. It, this, this paragraph is the epitome of uh, powerlessness in the middle of session, for sure. And um, this is where I've lived before and during program, um, especially during program. Of course, of course, I came in when I was 20 and I'm 59, so most of my life I've been here, so what do you say about that? Anyway, um, you know, I too just wanted to share a little bit about that, you know, this inner, this utter inability to leave it alone no matter how great the necessity. And of course, you know, that whole thing of knowing, binging, purging, tearing at my esophagus, scared to death I'm going to choke, you know, having small children knocking on the doors, I'm purging in the bathroom, being 100 pounds overweight most of my life, you know, the the uh, pain of that on our joints and my joints, my visceral organs and all that, right? But then, you know, just the whole idea that when I start eating, I shut the world out and it's just awful. And, you know, in my last relapse, you know, I'd had um, almost five years of recovered abstinence, went back in the food and you know, I just knew I had I had grandkids at that time. I'd never had grandkids before. Well, you know, that was really going to do it. I mean, this is the love of my life, right? In my last relapse, you know, I was uh, at 
a cabin with my family and you know I picked up on Friday night and so you know what I'm going to do tomorrow I'm going to get back on my food plan I'm going to call my sponsor I know what I'm going to do got up Saturday that worked for maybe an hour you know got back in the food it was god awful so you guys know what that's like to eat with your family around but you're trying to be absent and anyway so uh, Saturday night, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to get up. I'm going to spend that 30 minutes with God because that's going to do it. And I'm going to listen to special edition. Oh my God, the special edition was about abstinence. This is a God thing. I'm going to get it now. I've got it. Okay, I've got this. Within an hour, I'm eating, right? What did I not do? I wasn't honest with anybody. I didn't reach out. I didn't surrender. I've got this. I know what to do. I've been in this program for 30 something years. I have five years of recovered abstinence, you guys. So, what did I do? I surrendered, like the last speaker said. I reached out. I got honest because it wasn't about, as we hear, lack of knowledge. It's not about lack of desire. I had lack of power. I can't do this. I have to have that entire psychic change. I don't got this. I got to give it to God. And the only way I know to do that is to get honest, quit telling myself the lies that somehow I know what to do because I don't. Only my higher power knows what to do. And the steps are what going to lead me to that. The steps aren't the solution. You know, absence isn't solution. The tools aren't the solution. God is the solution. But the steps get me there. So until I put the food down 100%, work the steps, have the transformation, change, as the last speaker said, because I didn't want to change, you know, I've got to get this connection. I've got to get into that entire psychic change and live in that fourth dimension. And today I'm so freaking grateful. I'm willing to be honest and live with God. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Kelly S. And Katie F., you're up, followed by Julie P. Good morning. Uh, this is actually Katie T. in South Carolina. Well, and, thank you, uh, Katie. Go right ahead. <laughs> you're very welcome. Um, this, this line, we are assuming, of course, that the reader desires to stop. You know, I've heard people say, well, you know, I guess she didn't want it enough. Or I guess, yeah, we all, if we are real compulsive overreaders, where we have recognized and we could say, I am a compulsive over We want to stop. We want this. Uh, so it isn't about wanting it enough. To a degree, it's needing it. It's like, I feel now like I need this, like I need to be able to breathe. It's, it's like to have a life, to be out of the food jail. I need it. I don't just want it. I need it. And unfortunately, I couldn't create the need Myself, I just, I had to go through what I had to go through. You know, I'm 77 years old now, and about five years ago, I really got this program. And um, I had to go through, you know, a bariatric surgery. I had to go through Weight Watchers. I had to go through years of incomprehensible, you know, moral and spiritual uh, decline. But all that doesn't matter because I'm here now. I'm free. I am free of the need to um, compulsively overeat. I'm free of uh, the food jail. I'm out. But to stay out, I need to maintain a fit spiritual condition. So freedom is free. This is available to anybody. This program is available to anybody. It is free, not just financially free, but it's available, freely available to everyone. Freedom is free, but it doesn't come without a cost, which sounds kind of uh, contradictory. But the cost, we, we need to give up our binge foods. We need to give up the illusion of c- control and power. We need to give up, uh, you know, centering our lives on selfish motives. We need to give up denying a need for a power greater than ourselves. 
we need to lose denial and get rigorous honesty. So freedom is free, but there is a cost. And sometimes, for whatever reason, we just aren't there yet. There's no condemnation for not being ready, for not being there yet. But when they say keep coming back, uh, that was something I never did. I either ate like a maniac or I was in program. There was no staying, hoping for the miracle or listening to people, you know, getting, getting a sponsor, um, you know, really, really working uh, the steps. So I, I can tell you that all I know is that you can be free and this program is available to everybody. It's free to us all. So um, with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie P. And Julie P., you're up, followed by Leah S. Good morning. This is Julie P., recovered in northern Minnesota. And I really want to thank all of you for being on the line this morning and sharing, because your sharing helps me understand my food addiction. I am truly a compulsive overeater through and through. And my best thinking on December 28th told me that purging is the answer. Well, guess what? I am so grateful that my higher power, whom I choose to call Ralph, showed up the next morning and said there might be an answer away. But, you know, the truth of the matter is for me is that my addiction and the word in this paragraph that comes to my head this morning is baffling. I knew that I wanted to stop. I knew that I didn't want to do this anymore. But I'll tell you what, my ego needs to be smashed. And even though I'm recovered today by the grace of my higher power, I know that my addiction comes to me through my ego. I was doing a fourth-step inventory on my clothes two days ago. And my ego told me, oh, my gosh, you've reached your maintenance weight. Look at this. You get to get rid of all these clothes. And then I went to the doctor yesterday, and my ego told me, oh, my gosh, you've lost. You've gone down 30 points in your cholesterol. Look at what the benefits of this program are doing. Well, do we really need to keep working this program? Of course we do. And thank you again, everybody, because you are telling me that if I don't do this on a daily basis, my addiction, once again, is going to be cunning, powerful, and baffling. And thank you, everybody, truly, from the bottom of my heart, and I wish you all an abstinent day. Thank you, Julie P. And Leah S., you're up, followed by Linda D. Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. My name is Leah S. Recovered in Brooklyn. Very grateful. So in this um, paragraph, what really stuck out at me is many of us felt that we had plenty of character. There is this tremendous urge to seize forever. That means I want to stay stopped. And it is vital vital for me to have my complete attention to these steps, complete. It doesn't mean that I have to do it, you know, that, that, that I have to, um, that I'm, I'm, I'm perfect in everything. But when I, I do it and when I do these 
steps, getting on to the fourth step, it has to have my vital attention. And the reason for that is in order for me to recover, it's pretty simple, but I need to understand it. And in order to understand it, I need to be abstinent. I need to do these steps abstinently so that I can apply myself to it and hopefully um, not have that 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 worry all the time. Which dress size am I going to be this season? And which dress size or which pants size am I going to be? Whatever, whenever. And um, um, it's just one thing I, that I do want to stress. These steps saved my life. And um, it is uh, um, actually... On October 14th will be eight years that I am abstinent. But it's so much more than abstinence. It's so much more. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Leah S. And Linda D., you're up, followed by Sue Ann W. Linda, press star one. We can't hear you. Hi, it's Linda D. from Connecticut. Can you hear me? I can now. Thank you. Oh, okay. Um, Linda D., and I'm recovered, but I'm not cured, so I came back today because this is really hard work. And what's hard work about it is um, just about everything. Um, it's very hard to be human. And until I was um, Willing to, did I say I'm recovered? Yeah, I'm recovered, but I'm not cured. And so um, why would I be here? Because I don't want to die a really ugly death. I am uh, at, the t- at this time in a facility uh, because I got very sick from this disease indirectly. I didn't know that's what it was. And uh, I was covered with sores inside my mouth, across my butt. And uh, I'd probably been sick for about a year, and I didn't know it uh, because I didn't know how to extend unconditional love to myself, not just other people. I'm pretty good at loving other people, but it's me. It's me extending unconditional love to me no matter what happens. And that's what I've been learning for the three months almost that I've been here. I'm at this facility, um, and I'm getting ready to go home, and that's scary. Everything is scary without God, and that's the word I never, ever wanted to hear, God. Yuck, religion. Well, it has nothing to do with a particular religion as far as I know. It has everything to do with this incredible, incredible, unconditional love that exists in the universe and that is within me and within everything. And you would think that would be enough because certainly God is enough. But I have to listen. And there is a part of me to this day that's a little kid, very little, and it wants to get away with whatever it wants to get away with. Just couldn't I just No, you can't. Are you sure? Uh Uh-huh. This is hard. This is very hard work. It is available to everybody, but I have to give up being self-destructive 100%. 
even if I don't do it very well. And I'm willing to do that today. Thanks to God and all of you, because I can't do this without a huge tribe of people. It's just, I need an awful lot of help. And I get it. I am so grateful to have a love-filled life. But I have to allow it, and I have to be willing to surrender fear over and over and over. And we all know how much fun that is. It means you got to walk through it. So with that, I pass, and you have my deep gratitude for, for being there and listening. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Linda D. And Sue Ann W., please share with us. Hi, my name is Sue Ann W. Can I be heard? You can. Thank you for everyone for your service today. Um, uh, I'm from Philadelphia, I guess I said that. So what I stands out for me in this paragraph is the baffling nature of this disease. We're never going to understand it. Only God understands it. Um, I'm so grateful this morning that by God's grace, I've had two weeks of abstinence. Um, and what else I wanted to say is that I'm working on changing my thinking, working on strengthening my conscious contact with God. Um, and um, I, <laughs> I get tongue-tied when I'm speaking. Um, let's see. I think that might be all I can say because, like I said, I get tongue-tied when I'm speaking. So, again, thank you for everyone for your service, and everyone have an absent day. Thank you, Sue Ann W. Glad you're here. And we do have two more minutes, if anyone would like that two-minute share. Phil M. Go ahead, Phil. Oh, thank you so much for your service, Lisa. Yeah, this is a a powerful paragraph. There's so many powerful paragraphs in this book. It is amazing. Um, No matter how much they urge, do you know how great the necessity or the wish, the utter inability to leave it alone? well, my experience is that I had cancer um, six years ago, and uh, after not being able to eat anything, I went on to eat everything. And during the treatment, everything went by the by, and my meditation practice, um, my attendance at OA, it just all always left, and I did want it. And I would have heard people have said, you know, uh, she mustn't have wanted it badly enough. I could not have wanted it more. I really could not have wanted it more. But it, it just wasn't happening. And I put on um, more more pounds than I came in with and um, put on an extra um, 21 pounds uh, while I was at it. Um, and um, just absolutely desperate. So there's no question, but I am uh, a compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety. And it cannot, could not do it on a non-spiritual basis. I need that connection with my higher power and I need the higher power to be a loving, loving higher power, one that accepts me and has, uh, you know, actually adores me. Uh, We were taught to adore um, our maker, but I think I'm beginning to see that our maker adores us. Every single bozo on the bus is adored, adorable and uh, lovable. And that's a huge revelation, and it's just a wonderful thing to be uh, walking this path of happy destiny with every one of you. Thank you so very much for being here. I pass. Thank you, Phil M., and thank you to everyone who shared this morning. 
Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Wednesday, October the 12th, 2022, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 19,504. That's 19504. We'll now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Dara L., will you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yeah, sure. Thanks so much, Still Dara L., still a recovered compulsive eater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.